Hello everyone and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola from clevergirlfinance.com and I am very excited today because I have another special guest on the podcast. Her name is Molly Stillman and she's the founder of stillbeingmolly.com. It is a life and style blog where she shares her life and fashion stories. She also has an amazing business podcast called Business with Purpose. And on today's episode, Molly is sharing her journey, her story on how she was able to get out of a ton of debt. She talks about what led her into debt, the emotions she struggled with. She talks about her relationship with her husband and her faith and basically how she got out of her debt and got to a better place with her finances. And I love this episode because Molly is so honest and she shares her heart, she shares her story, and I think you will enjoy it too. But before we get into the episode, if you haven't already subscribed, please do. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and also on Stitcher. And if it's been a while since you visited clevergirlfinance.com, stop by the, the website and subscribe there as well. And also check out all the awesome brand new content I have been creating that can help you improve your finances as well. And finally, if you need some accountability and you need some help with improving your finances, head over to my accountability program and check that out. You can learn more about it at clevergirlfinanceacademy.com. So let's get into my episode with Molly. Welcome to the podcast, Molly. I am so excited to have you on to finally be able to talk to talk to you on the Clever Girls Know podcast. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. Awesome. And so I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I, my name is Molly and I am a blogger and a podcaster. Um, I have been blogging since 2007. Um, well, I, honestly, if I count my live journal from college, it would have been <laughs> earlier than that. But um, uh, my blog, which is called Still Being Molly, um, I started it in the fall of 2007. And honestly, just used it as a creative outlet. And, you know, it's not something I ever thought that would eventually become my job. But it is and I love it. Um, and I focus, I mean, obviously I write a lot about parenting and, you know, fashion and beauty and style and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm really passionate about just trying to, um, help other women know their worth and where their worth really lies. And it's not in, you know, a beautiful dress or, you know, pretty makeup. You know, I just, I really hope to inspire women to, that they can make a difference in their communities and in their family and, um, just know how awesome they are. Um, you know, and so I, I try to do that through things like, you know, fashion and beauty and just kind of, I try to be sneaky about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and so I've been doing that, like I said, for about 10 years now. And then um, last year, I launched a podcast called Business with Purpose, and um, which you know, because you're going to be a guest on here in a few Yay. weeks, and <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Um, but yeah, it's and that it was really to highlight business owners who have a, a greater passion and a greater purpose and um, are trying to make an impact on the world um, with what they do for a living. And so, I, I mean, I highlight a lot of um, fair trade or ethical businesses because that's a big passion of mine, but um, also people who are just, you know, taking whatever they chose to do for their career, um, but do it in a way that, um, like I said, just makes an impact. So, yeah, so that's what I do in a nutshell. Um, I, I love what I get to do. Um, I'm a wife uh, to John. Um, we've been married five and a half, wow, actually almost coming up on six years now. 
And um, we have two kids, um, Lily, who is four, and Amos, who is, um, he is a little over a year and a half old, and they are just, they are the joys of my life. And (laughs) yeah, so that's what I do. That is awesome. And after we met, after we met through your podcast, I've actually spent some time on your blog, and I really love how you use what you blog about, blog about from parenting to lifestyle to fashion, how you use it to empower women. Oh, thank you. And guys, I'll be linking to um, Molly's blog in the show notes as well as her podcast, Business with Purpose. So you guys will be oh. able to check all that out. Thank you. So Molly, you have, you know, someone listening to your introduction will think that you have the perfect life. You know, everything <laughs> is just so amazing. <laughs> But you have a pretty incredible backstory um, that led you to this point in your life, right? And part of that revolves around you being able to pay off a ton of debt and kind of get your headspace and your, I guess, your spiritual space and your mental space to where you are right now. Yes. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your background, your upbringing and the debt you got into how much it was and when you hit that breaking point when you hit that enough is enough moment let's kind of talk about your backstory a little bit absolutely so um you know I had a you know I have parents who were amazing and I I they were so encouraging and supportive um and I you know honestly I always say that like I feel so lucky to have grown up in the house that I did. Um, you know, obviously there were some unconventional things about it, but um, but the reason I say that is because um, eventually what happened is my mom got sick when I was very young, when I was in the second grade, I want to say. Um, and so she had served as an army nurse in Vietnam, and um, she contracted a, a disease um, due to her exposure to Agent Orange in Vietnam. And she contracted this very rare disease and got very sick very quickly. Um, and my sister, who is 11 years older than me, you know, she was off at college, and um, you know, it just was one of those situations where. I was the only kid at home and, um, my dad had to work. My mom had to, um, because my mom had to go on disability. She couldn't work anymore. And so my dad worked a lot. Um, he worked really, really hard to take care of the family. And, you know, we spent all this time traveling the country, trying to figure out what was going on with my mom and met, you know, throughout this time, medical bills are racking up. And, um, you know, I had to, in a lot of ways, I had to grow up really quickly, um, because, you know, my dad would be gone, maybe working late, and I would have to make sure that my mom was getting her medicine, or, you know, I would have to make sure that my mom was taking care of herself, or just, you know, lots of different things like that. Like, I had to just, I had to mature very quickly. Um, Anyway, kind of fast forward a few years, um, my mom passed away my senior year of high school, um, Mm -hmm. in the fall of my senior year. And she had been on a steady decline. I mean, she had been sick, like I said, for a very long time. And, um, she'd been on a steady decline for a few years. And, you know, it was one of those situations where, um, it's not like we knew that she was going to die that day, but we knew the disease would take her eventually. Um, and, but she did, she did die, um, that fall. And that sent me into, um, 
very, I mean, I was 17 and I was now, you know, my dad was now a single dad and he has this 17 year old daughter and he's also lost the love of his life. And there was a lot emotionally happening during that time. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so I, you know, I, I, the next year I went off to college and that in and of itself was hard for me because I didn't want to leave my dad. Um, and I didn't, I felt bad leaving him behind and, you know, he's like, no, you know, go. I mean, I was only two and a half hours away, but I still, I felt bad, um, kind of just going off to college and leaving him. And so, um, but when I got to college, you know, a lot of kids, to be honest, this is kind of a revelation I actually had recently within last year. Um, a lot of kids go off to college and they go crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe they start going to parties and they drink and, you know, experiment with all kinds of things to, uh, you know, especially if you have somebody that's maybe dealing with some depression or something like that. Um, you know, which, which I struggled with. Um, and I struggled with a lot of, um, emotional, um, just, I had a lot of, a lot of, uh, feelings that I was working through because of the death of my mom. Um, and a lot of people, you know, maybe turn to, um, alcohol or drugs or, or things like that to cope. Um, I did not, I turned to spending money Mm -hmm. because shopping and things like that, that was a coping mechanism for me. It was a quick fix. It was that adrenaline rush. It was that moment of, oh, I have this new nice thing that can distract me from my, my actual problems. Um, and so throughout college, the first few years of college, I just, you know, my dad, um, from college savings and all that kind of stuff, my dad was able to help me with tuition. The first three years of college I paid for my senior year. Um, but I, other than that, everything I did went on a credit card. Um, I worked, I had jobs, but pretty much every expense I had, I put on a credit card. Um, you know, when you get to college and they have those shiny tables with the people handing out free t-shirts, if you sign up for a credit card, I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that sounds great. That sounds great. I'll take, I'll take that free t-shirt. I was a victim of that. (laughs) My first credit card story. (laughs) They totally lure you in with the, with like a enter to possibly win this trip to Jamaica, which is never actually going to happen. Um, (laughs) So I got that, I got that free credit card and our, you know, so to speak, the free credit card. And, um, and yeah, every expense I had in college, I put on a credit card and that, you know, poor financial decision after poor financial decision after poor financial decision, um, after larger poor financial decision, uh, it added up quickly. And, um, then I, in the summer, June, excuse me, June of 2008. So I was a year out of college. Um, I had just finished up my first year as a high school teacher making $30,000 a year. And I realized that I could no longer make the minimum payments on my credit cards. And I realized that I had overdrafted my account for the billionth time. What if, you know, what felt like the billionth time and I had a panic attack, like a full-blown panic attack in my room, um, you know, sitting on the floor in the fetal position, panic attack. And I had I had zero clue as to how much debt I was in. I just knew it was a lot. And um, I called my bank to try and get my overdraft fees waived again. 
this was not the first time I called and asked them to waive those fees. And the woman on the other end of the line could hear, I think, the panic and desperation in my voice. And she said, you know, I'm let me connect you with somebody. And she connected me with an organization called Novadet. Um, they have since rebranded to an organization called um, Navicor Solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say the word Novadet, but Novadet as that brand does not exist anymore. They're now Navicor Solutions, but it's hard for me to like remember that they've changed. So I got connected to this organization called Novadet, and um, basically what they are is a nonprofit um, consumer credit counseling agency. Um, so they are not the skeezy, scammy debt settlement people. Um, they're a nonprofit. So their their whole focus is to they're basically counselors for people who are in financial trouble. Mm-hmm. And so I got connected with this counselor and she spent the next four hours on the phone with me um, going over everything. And we come to find out after adding everything up, I was a little over $36,000 in consumer debt. Wow. Um, it was not student loans. It was not, you know, nothing like that. It was simply credit cards. And that was a really overwhelming moment to realize that I was in more debt than my, my annual salary. And we also realized that because of interest, I mean, some of my cards, especially those store cards, man, those store cards will get you. Uh, those store cards I had, um, some of those cards had 24, 25, 26% interest rates. And we did the math that if, say that day I'd cut up my cards, never added another cent of debt to my portfolio, (laughs) if you will, Mm -hmm. for the rest of my life and just paid the minimum payments on those cards. It was going to take me 46 years to pay it off. (laughs) 46 years. And that moment I realized I was like, something has to change. I cannot keep continuing the way I'm continuing. And so um, I ended up consolidating my debt. I worked with um, Nova Debt to consolidate my debt. Um, and again, you know, people always ask me like, well, is it debt settlement? Did you settle your debt? Did you? And I said, no. So the debt settlement, as you know, bad, bad. <laughs> Don't want to settle your debt because then they'll come after you and your credit's ruined and it's a whole situation. Um, I consolidated. So basically what they did was they acted on my behalf to um, – lower or remove my interest rates on behalf from the credit cards. And, um, so most of the credit cards, they were able to get to a 0% interest rate. Some of them, I think they got down to like maybe one or I think maybe one of the cards had a two, 2%. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they consolidated it. And so I, at that moment I cut up all my cards and, um, and then, from that point forward, I was, I was going to work towards becoming debt free. And so they put me on a debt management plan that was going to take about five and a half years. Um, and you know, obviously I don't know how much more you want me to say, but I guess, but then from there I, you know, I worked through, um, you know, really changing my lifestyle and changing my habits and it was ugly and it was hard and it was bad. But, you know, I realized that I was not, I didn't get into debt overnight, so I wasn't going to get out of debt overnight. Exactly. (laughs) So, so Molly, you are, you are debt free. You've paid off that $36,000 now, right? Yes. Yeah. We, we, I paid it off in, um, a little under, um, 
a little, well, probably right at about four years. So I paid it off a year and a half early. And so one of the biggest, you know, things I see, a lot of people want to, they think that getting, working with a debt consolidator or getting into a debt consolidation program is a way out. And it's like, they think it's an easy way out. But I think it's important to recognize that just because you consolidate your debt doesn't mean you've fix the underlying issues that cause you to get into debt and in your situation you know you had all this um you were carrying a lot of baggage from losing your mom Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know spending money was your trigger and you had to or spending money was your outlet it was your, your way of getting over those feelings and you had to address all of those issues in order to be able to get out of your debt and stay out of your debt because you know you can you could have very easily consolidated all of your debt and still had that plan going but then go out and figure out other ways because there are people who would still give you credit <laughs> they would mm-hmm. still give you lines of credit and you would have figured out other ways to um get more debt because you hadn't addressed the underlying issues so i just want to say that for the listeners that it's really important right to, you know debt consolidation is is not a way out unless you're committed to it and it's you really have to figure out what it is that you you want to accomplish in your life. What is it that you want? Why do you want to get out of this debt? And you were, you know, I was just imagining you when you when you were going over your story when you said you were in the fetal position and the lady on the phone could hear it in your voice and you were having a panic attack. That is that's your that was your breaking point. And so, right, if, if you haven't already reached a breaking point, you don't need to get to a breaking point. You don't need for your life to be. Like, oh my God, you know, before you're like, I need to get my finances in order. Mm-hmm. So that's yes. I just wanted to mention that. So let's talk about, so you had this plan in place, you know, they had given you a five and a half year plan, which you paid off early. Well done. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> but how did you stay motivated? How did you keep going? What did you do to make sure you kept up with those payments and um, kept up with the extra payments? Because a lot of times when it comes to paying off debt or saving a ton of money, um, at the beginning, you're very motivated. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I can do it. I have this plan. It's going to be super easy. I'm going to do it, you know. And then as time progresses and as you tar- start to take strides, months, maybe years, you're kind of like, oh, God, I can't do this. Yeah. I just want to take a vacation. I just want to have some fun. I just want to, oh, my God, I want to YOLO. So yeah. what, <laughs> what were you doing to stay motivated how did you manage those days where like oh my god I want to go shopping I need to get that retail fix oh that was so hard it was so hard and and it was a it was a journey it was a it was a constant learning journey um those that first year um maybe even the first year and a half from June of 2008 to January of 2010 was the hardest because I was walking this journey alone. Um, actually I could maybe even say all the way to June, 2010. Um, I was really walking the journey alone. I did not tell my family what I was going through. I didn't tell my friends what I was going through. Um, there were very, very, very few people, like maybe one or two people who really knew what I was going through. My roommate didn't know. Um, it was really stressful, but I was so ashamed. I carried this shame and guilt over me and I didn't want to talk about it I didn't want people to know what I was going through because I was so embarrassed Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't, and, and I also, it was one of those things too, where I didn't want people to think that I was blaming anything. And this is something I even still say today is I don't, I blame no one but myself. I made those choices. I made those mistakes. Um, and I mean, I'm very thankful that for the most part, it didn't any impact anyone else other than me. Um, you know, that my mistakes, but along the way I hurt relationships because I wasn't able to go to weddings. I wasn't able to see friends. I wasn't able to travel or go out. And people thought I was blowing them off. And I mean, I later had to go back and, you know, make amends with with people that I really cared about and just say, hey, I'm really sorry that I wasn't there for you during this period. And here's why. It's not an excuse. It's just it was the reality I was facing. Um, So, I mean, I think in the beginning, the motivation for me was I wanted to get out. I wanted it to be over. And, um, <clears throat> I felt almost like I was, I, I had to go through that because it was the punishment, so to speak, for the decisions that I'd made. And whether or not that's a healthy way of thinking is, you know, but that's, it, that's just kind of what I went through. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I did everything from, I mean, I had to drastically cut back my expenses, obviously. Um, but just between my rent, utilities, car insurance, basic expenses, and then my debt payment, um, that was actually added up to be about $50 less than what I was taking home a month. So I only had about $50 for gas, food, and anything extra. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had to get creative. That's when I started. I started, you know, freelancing, doing some freelance marketing work to take, you know, just to earn extra income. Um, I started selling everything that I had purchased during my (laughs) times when I was irresponsibly you know, irresponsible financially. I was selling things on eBay. I was selling things on Craigslist. Um, if I needed new clothes, I would take, I would clean out my closet and take it to like, um, you know, Plato's closet or clothes mentor and sell clothes. And then the cash I would get from selling those clothes, I would use to buy whatever I needed that was new. Mm -hmm. Um, granted I didn't, there was a lot that I just, I didn't need. You realize what you need and what you don't need. Yeah. You, you realize the difference between needs and wants when you truly don't have the money. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, started getting food from a ministry called Angel Food Ministries. Um, and it's a ministry where I don't think they're around anymore, but you could just show up um, and you could bring a box and no questions asked. They would put groceries in it for you. Um, and yeah. And so I would get, um, they would fill up whatever box you brought, um, with, you know, with some groceries and I would take that, um, back to my car. I would put it in grocery bags so that my roommate thought I just went to the grocery store, went grocery shopping. Um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I was, you know, so I, I did lots of stuff like that and it was, it was hard. It was humbling and, um, I felt embarrassed. I felt, again, I felt all this shame and all this guilt. And so that was for about two years. Um, and then when I, during that time, I moved to North Carolina and this was during the recession and it was impossible to find a job. And so there I am. I had been teaching high school, but they weren't hiring teachers in North Carolina. I didn't have a job and I was broke. And so I just had to get whatever job I could get. And it was a very humbling experience because there I am with a college degree, a former high school teacher, and I was 
food running at a bar giving drunk people cheese fries at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was working part time at Anthropology, the store at the mall. I was working part time at an art gallery. And um, and then I got a job part time at a radio station um, doing marketing. And, you know, I so at one point I was working four jobs. And so seven days a week, I was working at least two jobs a day where I would get up at sometimes 4 a.m., go to one job, get off, go home, shower, and go to the second job and mm. turn around and do the same thing the next day. And for a, for months, months, I did that. And I just, any extra money I got, I threw it at the debt. If I got a bonus, I threw it at my debt. Um, I just, I didn't reward myself, so to speak, you know. It, it was hard, but I put the pedal to the metal and I was like, I have to fix this. Because you were ready. You were ready to be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, but it was a complete mental shift, mm-hmm. a complete 180 because I couldn't, I, you know, I had to just do, all right, well, this is what, this is what my life is going to look like now. Yeah. And you said something that I think is really key to you being successful during that entire journey. And it was when you said you took ownership. Yes. When you when you realize, okay, I got myself into this. I have to get myself out of this. I can't tell you how many people I speak with every day that when we talk about their debt situations and we talk about, you know, poor financial choices, which we all have, and this is not in any way or form, like, you know, you should be ashamed because we all have, we've all made poor money choices there's nobody yeah. on this earth who has not made a poor money choice because the, yeah you know, and it's what you learn from the choices but every day i talk to someone or almost every day and they 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 find excuses as to why what has happened and where they are is not their fault mm-hmm. and granted sometimes it may not be your fault right but right. if you don't take ownership, if you don't say, you know what, I accept the situation, I own the situation, I'm going to figure out how to get myself out of the situation. If you don't think bigger and if you don't think into the future of what your life could look like after the situation has been resolved, then you, you're not going to get to that place where you are in that mental space to do what you need to do to get out of debt, to do what you need right. to do to save money, to do what you need to do to change your life, which is what you did. And you talked about the mental shift. You have to take ownership to be able to fully, to have that full mental shift. If you right. don't take ownership, and it's not even just with your money, it's with everything in your life. If you can't take full ownership of a situation, you're not going to be in that mental space to succeed with it in the way that you would like to succeed. And it's one thing to want something <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. another thing to actually make up your mind and make the effort and do what it takes to actually accomplish that thing. So that's really important that you said that you you took ownership. And for those of you listening, if you're in this space where you're trying to work on your debt, work on savings, work on your career, work on your life, your relationships, and you're blaming other people, it's time for you to kind of come back to yourself and do a self-assessment and do a check mm-hmm. on... Mm-hmm. Perhaps you need to start taking ownership. Yes. Yeah. So I, I do appreciate you for sharing that. That is, you know, I hear it every day. And 
I'm constantly having this conversation of you have to take ownership. You have to own the situation. You you have to. And I love the fact that you got aggressive and you buckled down and you did what you had to do temporarily to get where you are now. And yeah. for a lot of people, you know, and this goes back to when I was saving money right out of college, a lot of money, which is now, you know, saving money is like part and pa- parcel of my life. It's like something I do without thinking it's second nature. But when I first started saving money, it was hard. I wanted to go hang out with my friends. I wanted to buy nice things. I wanted to do all this stuff, but I thought about what I wanted ultimately and the feeling I wanted to have ultimately. And I thought about what I was most afraid of. And it was things that I had seen growing up, you know, with my mother's friends and, you know, their husbands dying and them not having anything um, with my mother's friends in our house with their kids because they had nowhere else to go because their husbands had put them out and they didn't know anything about the family finances. It's, you know, it was me thinking about those things and never wanting to be in that situation. It was me thinking about friends I have who have, who have experienced divorces and, because they were stay-at-home moms, it was just really, really difficult for them to rebound because, again, they had nothing. And so you have to, when you're trying to accomplish something, you have to get aggressive. You have to get, you know, Dave Ramsey calls it gazelle intensity. You have to be like, you know what? And the thing about it is that when when you're in the motions, it doesn't feel like you're going to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. But it's there. And I bet you when you think about your life now, you don't have any regrets about everything you put in to get to where you are now. Oh, no, not at all. And and so much of as hard as it was, you know, those are lessons that I've now been able to take and learn from. And I've been able to talk with other people. And I've been, you know, I think about, um, you know, in the conversations my husband and I have now about how we are going to impact our children um, Mm -hmm. and their finances and how do we talk about our kids to our kids about money. Um, you know, and I guess that's sort of the second part to my story is, um, you know, when I met my now husband and we started dating and I, you know, when we got to the point in our relationship, you know, so this, so during this time, I guess before this time, and you know, this is just the lens that I see through things through. So I like to share that, um, is I was not, um, I'm a Christian, but I was not a Christian really growing up. And I was not a Christian really during this time. In fact, I was really far from God. And, you know, I'd kind of played church growing up. And um, I realize now, like looking back, like there was a period in my life, and especially during when I was spending money, you know, frivolously. And then when I was in my that early part of debt, you know, working to get out of debt, I was felt like I was searching for something and I mm-hmm. didn't know what I was searching for. And, um, when I met my now husband, um, you know, I knew that he was a Christian and I knew that there was just something different about him. Um, and we, um, I asked him one Sunday, I said, can I go to church with you? And he was like, well, yeah, I mean, I would love for you to go to church with me. And from that point forward, you know, I went, we went to church together that day and I haven't missed a Sunday at that church since. And, um, that was seven years ago. And, but during that time, like it created this relationship between my husband and I, um, when we were just dating, um, that we were able to, I was able to talk with him in a way I, I couldn't talk to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt safe with him and I felt like I could share what was going on. And so I, you know, when, when marriage really started to be in the conversation, I said one night, I just said, look, I, I got to talk to you about something. And I told him everything, everything. And it was the first time I'd really ever told anyone 
everything, every little detail. And I was so terrified that he was going to just be like, I got to get out of here. I'll see you later. (laughs) Bye. Because he was so financially responsible. He had like purchased his first home at 24, put 20% down. Like he was debt free. I mean, just like super good with money because that's how he was raised. And here I was like completely (laughs) the Mm -hmm. opposite. And I was so afraid that he was just going to be like, peace out. Um, I don't know about this. <laughs> peace and, out. <laughs> peace out. I'm a, yeah, like, see ya. We'll, we'll see ya. See you on the flip side. I was like, um, you know, so I told him everything. And, and instead of freaking out, he hugged me. He told me he loved me. And then he grabbed his laptop and he opened it up and he opened up a spreadsheet. And he said, I'm going to help you figure out how you're going to get out of this. And so he like looked at everything. He looked at all my numbers. He saw what I'd been doing on my own and he saw ways. That's when he really figured out, okay, here's how we can tackle this even more. Mm -hmm. And so he helped me. He's the one that really taught me how to budget. And so he he helped me create a budget spreadsheet that, I mean, really line item tracked every expense and every amount of income. He helped me figure out other ways that I could create more income He helped me. um, And then one of the biggest things that I wanted to introduce into my life was giving. Um, I had for the first time in my life heard a sermon on tithing and what it meant to be a good steward of your finances. And up until this point, this is not something that I had ever heard of in my life. It was a totally new concept for me. And, you know, a lot of people like when they become when they decide that they're going to take that step and, and, and follow Jesus, like a lot of times for them, it's their heart. That's the first thing that they're willing to surrender over. And they're like, okay, God, I give you my heart. Like you're all mine or I'm all yours. And then it takes them a while to actually like turn over their lives and then turn over their wallet. For me, it was like a complete opposite. I was like, Lord. All right. So here's the thing. Like I've been trying to do things my way for a really long time and that did not work. So I'm going to give your way a shot. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I honestly, I surrendered my finances and I, um, I just, I turned my wallet over to God and I just said, okay. And, and I wanted to introduce giving into my life and I wanted to be generous with, with my money, but I didn't have a lot of money. So I didn't know how to do that. And that was really intimidating for me. Um, And I could go on and on and on about that. But that was how, I mean, John really helped me to figure out how I was going to be committed to that. And from that point forward, that was really the the moment and the, the time that things completely shifted. Because I'd been going through the motions and I was in so much hurt and so much pain and so much uh, stress over all of this. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it felt, I felt free. I didn't feel like I was carrying this weight anymore. I didn't feel like I was carrying this guilt. It just truly transformed how I looked at money because I, no, I was no longer a slave to my finances. Yep, my finances were now a slave to see, me. That's exactly how it should be. And that full disclosure in a relationship you know, especially you're married and you were, I guess at that time you were in a serious we were relationship. Just, yeah, we were just dating. But that full disclosure is something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, you know, I'll give you two examples. Um, you know, I work with people every day in my one-on-one coaching and I actually had, you know, a former client. She was just in a space where she had gone into such a bad situation with her finances that she hadn't told her 
husband. And mm-hmm. it took several conversations for us to have this, you know, get her to the point where she felt like she was able to make the full disclosure. And she eventually chose not to because she said that it was grounds mm. for di- grounds for divorce. She had been through, mm. um, she had been through so much financial infidelity that she just didn't think she could come back from it. She. On, in her own way, couldn't see a way out of this, and she there was no way she was ever going to tell her husband about it. Mm. Um, and the other side, I, I had another client. Well, I've had a couple other clients like this where, you know, they've kind of gotten themselves into this debt and they haven't told their spouse. And again, we've worked through. Okay, this is how we should approach. This is how you should approach the conversation. Let's kind of you know, tackle it this way based on how you think your spouse is going to react. And they went out and had the conversations with their significant others. And in every situation, you know, maybe there was a little, a little anger and a little like, oh my God, why didn't you tell me? But the outcome was that they were supportive and they're like, you know what? I want to work with you just like John Mm -hmm. was with you. I want to work with you to help you help figure out how you or how we can come out of this situation so that we can do better. And in some cases, you know, because they were so open to their spouse about what they had done, their spouse was like, oh, well, you know what? I, I'm not also perfect. I'm also not perfect. This is what's been going on with me that I've been wanting to tell you. And in every instance for the, for the, for the ladies I worked with who said they had the conversation with their spouse, they felt like a weight was lifted. And it can be difficult to have that conversation. I mean, oh, f- yeah. full disclosure can be tough. It was when I first got married, that full disclosure was tough for me because I'm like, I make a lot of money. You know, I don't have to tell him what I'm going to do with my money. It's my money. And <laughs> I would have these battles, but I would find myself buying expensive things and then wanting to hide it or having to explain and I'm like well we're setting joint goals together and he never had a problem telling me his you know money situation my husband's like an open book and I'm like why am I all in this whole it's my money it's my you know and so we I've we've we've come to a point you know we've been married seven years now but we are in a place where we can have conversations about money and when I'm trying to buy something expensive I talk to him about it um when we are talking about our big goals or planning big goals we talk about it when things are happening that may take us off path we talk about it and I think that communication just makes it so much easier and yeah when my husband and I were dating uh, because we dated for six years before we got married and I was you know I made more a ton more money than him and I was like Mm -hmm. when you're dating I didn't really feel the obligation to share my finances with anybody because I was like, you know what, whatever. (laughs) What if we don't get married? But when we did get married, then it became, it was that struggle I had with myself to, this is my partner, this is my teammate, this is the person that I'm trying to build this empire with. What is your problem talking about? What it is you want to purchase? You're sharing your goals with him. So why are you like, you know, all caught up in how you're spending your money and so it was a transition but I'll tell you that when I started having those conversations with him in you know the early days of our marriage it just now they're just normal you know right you don't feel any shame you don't feel any guilt and the other thing I wanted to talk about Molly that you mentioned was that I think for us as women more so because of how we're built and how we're designed and who we are um you know we tend to carry a lot of emotional baggage around our finances specifically around the mistakes that we have made with money and it's the shame it's the guilt it's the self-judgment it's all these things that if we can only let go of them 
if we can only put them to the side and just be objective a little bit, it'll make the, pro- it, it doesn't change the situation, right? But it'll make the process, it'll make you going through the motions, it'll make that whole experience so much easier. So imagine when you were paying off your debt, imagine if you you weren't carrying that bag of shame and guilt and self-judgment. Like, wouldn't it have been easier for you to, even though you were working the crazy jobs, even though you were, you know, getting food from the food bank and stuff like that, it would have made your journey a little bit easier, right? Oh, absolutely. I think the only thing I do regret from that time is not being open with people about, here's the struggle that I'm going through, especially those closest to me. I mean, I really regret not sharing with them because I think back and I'm just like, why, why did I choose to walk through that alone? But, you know, honestly, that was just the place that I was in in my life. And, um, you know, since really, you know, since really coming to know and, and love the Lord, like I realized that like, we are not meant to do life alone, Mm -hmm. but in a lot of ways, society is set up to tell us that when we do things like that, that we should just own it be ashamed and that you fix your own mistakes. And I'm not saying that you should not own it and fix your own mistakes, but you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to. And and I mean, like you need that support system. You need somebody who to hold your hand and say, it's okay. Don't be ashamed. Like we all make mistakes. I love you. It's going to be okay. If I had had somebody in my life speaking that over me, I think it would have been a lot easier to carry it um, emotionally. The emotions with that would have been much more easy to to take, if that makes sense. You know, it was just, it, it was so hard to go through that by myself. And and I think that part of that turning point in my journey and um, leading up to when we did finally um you know, when I say we, but I I mean, when my husband and I like paid, wrote that last check and we wrote that last check to my debt, um, to the debt consolidation. Um, like when we paid off the last bit, it was the week we came back from our honeymoon. So, (laughs) because I was so determined to not, to not bring debt into our marriage. Cause I was like, no, no, no. Like you, made good choices financially. I did not. And I do not want you carrying that weight. And Mm -hmm. even though he kept reassuring me saying like, you know, it's okay. When we get married, this is going to become our debt. You know, like we're in this together. You know, we are going to be a team. He was so supportive, but I was really determined to not bring that to our marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but writing that last check, you know, when I think about like from that uh, for or from before that moment, that turning point was when I said that I can't do this alone anymore. Yeah. Um, and when John said, it's okay. I like, I love you and I'm here for you and I'm here to support you. And that was a turning point for me. So yes, oh, we totally carry those emotions <laughs> and we yeah. just like, we overthink things. Meanwhile, guys are just like, oh, well, yeah, whatever. whatever. Like, <laughs> like they're just so chill about it and we're just and girls are over here like oh my goodness I made all these bad choices and everybody's gonna hate me and I mean it's just we overthink things and guys just do not do that (laughs) and that's you know that's one of that's part of my why with clever girl finance it's to dismiss that shame and you know help women understand that you don't have to be alone with whatever you're going through in your finances like you know, when I was saving money in my early stages, I felt very alone. I, I actually carried judgment because 
people would be like, oh, you're being so stingy. You know, why are you being so selfish? Don't you make a lot of money? Like, what's your problem? Why are you trying to spend your money? Mm. Or, you know, you talk about saving and you kind of get this vibe from other people about who do you think you are to want to save that much money? And it was the shame associated with doing something good, too. Right. And so right. <laughs> with Clever Girl Finance, I'm all about no shame, no judgment. And I have my accountability program for this very purpose of mm-hmm. let's come in. Let's, you know, let me help you get your finances in order and join a community of women who are like-minded, who want to pay off their debt, who want to save money, who want to invest, but don't want to carry the baggage of the shame and the self-judgment and the guilt. And, you know, there've been many instances, many, many instances where women have come into our community group and they said things like, oh my God, I can't believe that I carried this for so long or, you know, the shame was holding me back. I feel like this is I feel comfortable talking to you guys about this. You know, I'm so glad I have you guys as my support system to get through this. So for those of you listening, wherever you are in your finances, whether it's in a great place, whether it's in not a not so great place, you don't need to do it by yourself. You don't need to carry all that baggage, all that emotion by yourself because you have you already have so much going on. You Mm -hmm. have your goals you're trying to accomplish. You have, you know, you may have debt you're trying to pay. You may have money you're trying to save. You have, you already have, your plate is already full. You don't need the extra baggage of guilt or shame Mm -hmm. or self-judgment. You don't need that. So don't feel alone. Don't feel isolated. And don't isolate yourself because of what other people are going to think about you. When you get into that space, like you did, Molly, when you're sick and tired of your debt and you're like, you know, I'm sick and tired of having no savings. I'm sick and tired of not making my money work for me. I'm sick of sick and tired of being a slave to my money. When you get into that space, you don't have time to care what other people right. think about you. you. You don't have time for it. It's because it just becomes another stumbling block mm-hmm. in your path. So absolutely. So, Molly, your story was recently featured on a TV show called The 700 Club, which was, you know, it was something that was on TV when I was growing up every Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's been on a long time. <laughs> what was that experience like? You were on a nationally, actually an internationally syndicated TV show. Because yeah. I was watching it um, when I was in high school in Nigeria. Yeah, it's, no, it's. Yeah, it's literally shown over all over the world. I had, and honestly, I didn't even realize that it was still like that widely viewed. I mean, they get like a million and a half um, viewers a day. Wow. It's just, yeah, it's crazy. Um, so they reached out, the producer reached out to me back in May of this year. And I kind of was just like, what is this? And they wanted to do a feature and, and they wanted to send a film crew to my house and, you know, film my testimony. And I honestly, I, I hesitated um, because I do, you know, admittedly, there are still parts of my story that I haven't fully shared, um, you know, and there are a lot of there's a lot of my story that I still feel um, some regret about. And I was nervous kind of sharing in a platform like that. And I, but I talked about it with my husband and we prayed about it and, um, we decided to go for it. And, you know, I, at the end of the day, I've just kind of said that this is not my story. It's God's story. So I'm just going to share it and, you know, he's going to do with it what he's going to do with it. And, um, the, yeah, so they sent a film crew down here. They were here for over eight hours filming. It was crazy. <laughs> wow. And the feature's four minutes long. 
So it's really, it was kind of insane to see, like, remember how much they filmed and how long they were here and then see how short it is. Um, So obviously the whole story cannot be told in four minutes, but um, I think they did a really good job, you know, kind of capturing the whole um, or capturing the essence, I guess, if you will. Um, But they were really, they were really kind. And overall, the feedback and response that we've gotten has been really encouraging. Um, It's been really funny, though, because my husband is a financial advisor Mm -hmm. and he um, he has some clients that like emailed him. They were like, I was watching the 700 Club and there you were on the television. Like, (laughs) so um, and then like his great aunt who's she's, you know, she's in her late 80s. She was watching it like she didn't know we were going to be on. She was just watching it and called and she's like, I saw John Edwin and Molly on the television. Like, (laughs) Which I just think is adorable and hilarious, but um, but no, it was a it was a really great experience, and um, you know, I was, you know, just I was very humbled that they asked, and um, you know, like I said, overall the response has been really positive. Of course, it's the internet. Um, when they posted it on the internet, sometimes you see those people on the internet that the trolls that like to come out and say oh, yeah. things, but don't mind but, those. I get those all yeah. the time. They, they oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> So, but overall, people have been really supportive, and um, I've gotten really encouraging messages from people, um, which, you know, that was the hope and that was the prayer. And I've even gotten emails from people who are complete strangers who saw it, you know, in other parts of the world and have just said, hey, you know, I really want to just thank you for sharing your story. And um, it's really inspired me um, in, in my in my walk and in my journey and um, like that. But yeah, so it was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I watched it and I thought they did an excellent job. I mean, it's only four minutes, but they really played on the emotions of what you were going through. And I thought it was it was really awesome. So congratulations on that. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> and of course, there's always going to be trolls. And one oh, thing yeah. that I've come to realize in, in life is that you're always going to have haters. It doesn't matter how amazing <laughs> you are. And the thing with that is that you can't take it personal because oh, whatever they're sure. whatever they're projecting really has nothing to do with you. It has everything yeah. to do with their own self-limitation and why they think they can't accomplish, why they think they can't do something, why they choose not yeah. to like you or what you have accomplished. It's whatever they're it's whatever is going on in their internal space and it has nothing to do with you. So yeah. trolls are a part of life and you know what they say, you know, if you don't have haters then <laughs> yeah you're, you're not you're not doing you're, you're not, not doing, doing right. as good as you need to be doing you're not doing so, it right that's fine <laughs> so when you you know and you've probably got lots of people reach out to you with questions you know send you messages but what advice would you give to anyone who is kind of where you were back when you hit that rock bottom or maybe me shortly before what advice or what words of encouragement would you give that person if someone like that is listening right now um the biggest thing that i i tell people is to get help if you are in a situation where you're in so much debt that you feel so overwhelmed um you know whether if you just really feel like you're in over your head get help it is not going to fix itself um it is not going to magically go away and it's not going to get better so it's not going to get better until you do something about it. Um, I think sometimes people I have found, and I'm sure you see this too with people, is that they just won't check their bank accounts or they like won't check their credit card statements because they're just like, well, if I don't look at it, yeah, then it's not real. And I'm like, mm, ignorance is not bliss in, this, in these cases. 
you have to, you have to get help and you have to do something about it. Um, you know, and so start, get, you talk to a financial counselor, talk to a family member, um, you know, talk to somebody like you talk to a financial coach, like get help. You can fix it. Um, you don't have to do it alone, but you, you, you can't just sit there and pretend like it's going to get better on its own because it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, find somebody that you trust that you can confide in and say, Hey, this is my situation and I need help. Um, and whether that's somebody that, you know, personally, or whether you reach out to a counselor, um, you know, talk to somebody. Um, that is my biggest biggest piece of advice for people because I just think that is the first step because then when you get that unbiased opinion or or perspective from an outside person um, they can help you you know you're emotional you have a lot of emotions tied up in what's going on and so you need that third party to come in and say you know you're gonna we're gonna get through this here's how, here's how we're going to do it and is going to give you the next, the next step to help you be objective. Yeah. So right. Right. Excellent advice. Don't stay, don't stay stuck. Don't allow yourself to stay stuck. Right. And so I'm going to ask you another question. Yeah. <laughs> completely unrelated. Yeah. No, <laughs> but since you're on the clever girls, no podcast, what would you say is your clever girl superpower? Oh, my clever girl <laughs> superpower? Um, my superpower. I would say for me, um, and I don't know if this necessarily falls into the category of being a superpower, but for me, I think kindness is contagious. And um, I think the world would be a better place if we all treated each other with kindness and respect. And so I try to live that out in my daily life. Um, I try to, I mean, everybody, like my husband laughs at me because, and my friends know that like everybody knows this about me. Like I'm the person who I know the name of the cashier I see every time I go to the grocery store. I know the name of the woman at the McDonald's drive-thru that I get my Diet Cokes from. Like she, she knows my kids' names. Like I try to just do whatever I can to everybody that I interact with, whether it's a, a friend or a family member or a complete stranger at the store or, you know, at a restaurant, I, I treat them with kindness and respect and dignity. And I try to just befriend them, um, whether they look like me or they don't like, especially if they don't look like me. Um, I, you know, I really want to build community and I believe that, um, that we can really make an impact by just by just being kind and being, you know, smiling at people, saying hello, calling people by their name. If they are wearing a name tag, mm-hmm. call them by their name. You know, <laughs> you know. Um, I think because I worked in service oriented jobs for so long, you know, being a waitress and working in retail and things like that. Like, I just think about the way that I was often treated and how awful it made me feel. And so I just try to not do that. And so I don't know if that's necessarily a superpower, but I guess that's the thing that like, it's a, it's a big part of who I am. And, and it's something that I try to really instill in my, my kids. Um, you know, my kids, that's, you know, my daughter, she'll like, we'll be going somewhere and she'll be like, do you think we're going to see Julia today? Like, you know, (laughs) that's the person that works at the store that we go to, you know, like, 
you know, I'll be like, I don't know, baby. And then if we see her, she's like, hey, Julia, how are you? And like, Julia's like, hey, Lily, how are you? You know, like, it seems very simple. But I mean, how often do we do that? How often do we go out into our community and just meet people and and encourage people that are complete strangers, you know? So anyway, I realize that might seem a little silly, but that's... (laughs) No, I think kindness is definitely a... It's it's definitely a character trait you want to have. Like, mm-hmm. who, who doesn't want to be described as kind? I mean, it's you can be kind and everything else. You can be kind and focused. You can be kind and you know, there's kindness goes with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you can and, be kind I mean, and think, successful. You can be kind and even, wealthy. Yeah, even, even in business, you know, I think about like the way I want to treat people. You know, as a as a business owner, like how do I want to treat my clients? How do I want to treat my advertisers? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if somebody is paying me for a service, like I want to make sure that I'm I'm treating them with res- you know with respect and kindness, and that I'm um, that I'm remembered for being somebody that was a pleasure to work with, not just that I did a good job, but that I was nice. Yeah, <laughs> that they enjoyed working with me. You know what I mean. <laughs> Well, Molly, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I feel like every time I talk with you, um, we just, we have so much to say. (laughs) Yes, yes, I know. And I know the folks listening want to figure out how to keep up with you, keep in touch with you. So where can folks learn more about you and, you know, be a part of your your world? Yeah, so um, my blog is stillbeingmolly.com. Um, and my podcast is business with purpose. And so you can, um, you can find that on iTunes or Google play or radio public, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, and I'm on all any social network, like, you know, Instagram is my favorite, but Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, I'm at still being Molly. Awesome. And I'll be sharing all those links in the show notes so folks who are listening can access them. So thank you so much, Molly, for being here. I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Bola. I had a great time. So I hope you enjoyed listening to Molly's story. This was such a wonderful episode. And if you liked what you listened to, if you loved what you listened to, I'd love for you to subscribe. And please, please tell a friend about this podcast so more people can learn about it. Um, You can subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, and also on Stitcher. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be back again soon with a brand new episode.